Is it working? Working? No? Nope. Nope. Go get it. Hello, test, test, test. In the presence of my enemies, sing a little louder. Louder than the unbelief, sing a little louder. Hey, we're working now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Amen. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. I see people are getting their ties out, so it's time to take up an offering. Come on down, Grace. Don't get too cozy under that blanket. Is it that? It's not that cold in here. Oops. Oh, I didn't see that in there. Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, for your tithes and offering that you're bringing into this place. Lord God, I pray, Father, that, Lord, that you would bless each person here abundantly. Lord God, in their homes, financially, in their health. Lord God, Lord, we pray for prosperity for us. And, Lord God, it's more than just financial prosperity, Lord. Lord, it's, it's health, it's family, it's children, it's, Lord God, our minds, it's our covering over our homes. Lord, we pray that you would prosper us, Lord God, in the heavenlies, spiritually, Lord God, and then in the natural. And I just pray this, Lord God, over this offering today, Lord God, that you would prosper it and bless it. And Lord God, and we just uh, praise you and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen? amen. All right, a few announcements while we're taking up the offering. No kids' church today. Uh, youth group tonight at 6. At our house? At our house. Pizza tonight. We're having pizza tonight. 6 o'clock. And, um, so, uh, we're praying, keep praying for our brother-in-law, Bill, that he's healed in Jesus' name. We, we've been praying for this little girl, Addie, that Debbie brought to our attention. She's on Facebook. She's dealing with cancer bad, too. We need to continue to pray for Hope and Ephraim's heart, that they're healed 100%. 100%. And don't give up. Keep praying earnestly. Amen. Pray for our, all the kids that are going back to college. They're leaving today, this evening, too. That's the boys. Micah and Caleb. Hope, I think, is going to. She's staying. So, yeah, there you go. Well, when you do go back, if we don't see it, we'll pray for you. Amen. We'll keep you in prayer anyways. Amen. And then we want to keep... Uh, each one of us lifted up in prayer. I think our church is small enough on our prayer list, we can add everybody's name on it, you know, and easily pray for them all, you know. I know we pray for them on Wednesdays at Mom and Ed's down there at prayer meeting, and that's another thing at 7 o'clock. You're all welcome to, you know. Mom and Ed have a beautiful home, and I know God answers their prayers down there. He's done it many, many times. And you might get to see their little crazy dog, Maisie. Maisie the crazy dog. Their little puppy they got. So we'll pray for Mom and Ed. Man, Maisie. She doesn't need any more stockings. Thank you, Lord. Well, <clears throat> any other announcements? Did I miss anything?
Did I miss anything on the announcements? I have to grab something real quick. I have to grab something real quick. We have sunshine, praise the Lord. Hey, how about that 60-degree weather we had? That was great. Nope. <laughs> All right. Take a minute say hi to somebody because this, uh, this was important. I wanted to do this, but the stupid, the stupid, stupid, stupid technology, <laughs> stupid technology was giving me a hard time. So I got to go back and talk to my sound man here real quick. So say hi. In order, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. You know, the title of my sermon is called "Seek the Lord." Seek the Lord. We are living in troubling times. If you look all around, you would agree. When I talk to people and ask them, "Do you believe that we are in the end times?" Almost everybody agrees that we are because of what's going on around the world. Not just of what's going around around the world politically with wars and rumors of wars, but also what's going on around the world naturally with natural disasters like never before. We have been what the Bible would call in the birth pains. Now for a little while. And I believe that the conception started back when Israel became a nation back in 1948. That that began the beginning of the birth pains. And now we're in the ninth, what do they call it? Is it not, well, I would say ninth month. We, I believe we're in the ninth month where the birth pains are getting stronger. And if you don't believe that birth pains get stronger, then you ask any woman that's had a baby as the, as the pregnancy progresses on. You ask any one of them. I wrote down here, if you, if you don't believe me, just ask, just ask my woman. Just ask my woman. <laughs> That's funny. You know, Jesus forewarned us all about this. And you know, you can say, Pastor Chris, you preach on this a lot about the end times. And you're right, because I believe we're in it. And it is important to me that you know it. And that I preach it to you the truth. So you can be ready. That's my job. One of my jobs is to get every one of you ready.
for what's coming. Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 14. I got to leave that marker there. Matthew 24, verses 4 through 14. This is Jesus. This is his words. This is God. You got to understand, Jesus is God. All right? Jesus was in the beginning. He was in the beginning of creation. Before the world was even formed, there was Jesus. Jesus was also all God made in flesh who walked this earth. He also was the one who died and rose again for each one of us. That we can be with him forever. He also knows all about the end times. He knows what's going to happen before it happens because he is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. So when Jesus says something about the end times, I think he knows what he's talking about. Amen? In Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, Jesus answered them. He said, watch out that none of you, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. And I will deceive many. You You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. These are all things that happen before the end comes. And I believe, church, without a doubt, that we've been going through these pains. Do you agree? He goes on to say, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray And hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. I believe we've been seeing a great falling away. I believe what Jesus just said has been happening to the church. There's been a great falling away of many saints. Jesus said a turning away from the faith. This is happening throughout our nation right now. What Jesus just said. And you kids need to be careful that you're not part of it. 
Because there is a lot of deception out there. There is a lot of indoctrination out there in our colleges that are deceiving our children. We know it. It's the truth. It goes all the way down to elementary and on up through. It begins at an early age when they can start out children at the ages of Ephraim's age and Jackson's age. And Nathan's age. Thank you, Jesus. I was stumped there. I, was, I wanted to say Nathan. I was thinking Hope. I couldn't get Hope's name out of my head. But this is happening right now. You don't believe me? Just do some research in the Bible or, or on your phone. Ask Google. You know, Google and God, and we got everything, right? Research by Pew. It says this, among regular church attendees, two out of three come to church because of their children. The reason why they come to church is because of their kids. Two out of three parents. It says one in five, they don't even feel God's presence in church when they come. One out of five feels God's presence in church. And the Pew has found a decline in attendance in services since 2007 to 2014, with a third saying they worship weekly, and another third saying they rarely go if they go at all, if they are a part of the church. So that's leaving about two-thirds of the people that call themselves Christians out. Only about a third really are coming that are faithful. That's just a study. That study went from 2007 to 2014. And I believe it's been at a rapid decline ever since. I don't think it's gotten any better. I think it's gotten worse. And on top of that, last night I heard a man, he said, He's been to many churches, and he asked pastors how they measured their success in their church. And I can only remember two out of the three things that they answered. One of them was they measured their church success by how much tithes they got in. They measured their church success by how much tithes and offerings were brought in each Sunday or each service. They measured their success by how many they had in attendance. It was amazing that it had nothing to do with God. That's treating the church more like a business and running a business. And I'm telling you, the church... It's more than just a business. The church is a lifeboat for the lost. To hear the word of God and be saved. That's what the church is about. Helping other people and loving other people and building them up in Christ. So that they can stand against the times. So they can stand against the enemy. 
when he comes knocking, because I guarantee you, he's out there knocking. The spirit of the Antichrist is real. And he is doing a great job of keeping everybody away from the word of God. Let me just ask you, and don't raise your hands, but how many of you read the word of God this last week? How many? I said, don't raise hands. But how many of you have not read? Think about it. Think about it. How much have you been in the Word of God? How much have you been on your knees praying? Have you been seeking God earnestly? Because that's what this is all about, is seeking the Lord. And in the day we live in, we need to seek Him earnestly. You go to any one of these other churches where they're more concerned about their tithes and their attendance, and they're not concerned about you and your spiritual life with God and your relationship with God, then you need to turn around and run out of there and never come back. Because it's like what this one man said, it's just a pyramid scheme. It appalled me and it upset me when I heard this about these types of churches. And these are, these are pastors, men of God. You know, they are pastors, men of God. And you know, God does want us to be obedient in our tithes and in our offerings. Because he said that he promises us a blessing. And when you're giving, you're giving to God and you've got to believe that in your heart. When you hand that over in the tithes offering, you are believing that God is going to bless you. You're doing it out of obedience to his word. Not out of obedience to a pastor, but out of your heart. And you give out of the joy of your heart, it says. And what they do with it should be what God tells them to do with it, like in giving like in missions, like in helping others in the church. And I know there's other expenses. We know that. You know you have expenses in your house that you have to pay. You have to pay the heat. You have to pay the electric. You've got to pay your mortgage. You've got to pay your insurances. You've got to pay all these things. Yeah, that has to be considered in all your tithes and offerings. But it's not a business. It's never been meant to run like a business. It's God's church. It's holy. When you're giving, you're giving into something holy where the Bible says where rust and moth will not devour. You're giving into an eternal kingdom where God sees your obedience and that's where God blesses you. I know my wife and I, we've given... And I don't know, this isn't even in my sermon. But we've given in our needs before because we know God's math is greater than our math. We know that when we give to God that, you know, we're praying, we, we prayed over it before. We said, Lord, we're giving this to you because of obedience and we're trusting in you because, Lord, you know our needs are greater. And when every time we've done something like that and we've given, God has always blessed us. Hasn't he? 
Every time. It's a miracle. It is really a miracle. But we know that, that teaching that the Lord has just put it in our hearts and we know it. We do it because we love God. We want to be in his blessing. And we know we're not giving in this earthly matter. And we know when we've given to other ministries, we're trusting God for that offering that we've given, that they're going to do with it wisely what needs to be done. We're handing it over to them. Then it's their responsibility. Now the responsibility is on them. Just like the responsibility for you is on me. Your spiritual life is on my shoulders. It's a responsibility. It's my responsibility to pray for you. It's my responsibility to tell you the truth. It's my responsibility to preach you the word of God. So that you can stand. So that when you grow up and be adults... That you have that word hidden in your heart. So when things come up against you, that you can say, that's not what the word says. That's not how I'm supposed to live. So when the enemy comes whispering, oh, it's okay, you can take that. Nobody will even notice that. That you will recognize, you say, no, devil. That's not of God. God would never say anything like that. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. I rebuke you. And it's a constant battle. Because it constantly goes on in your mind and in the flesh. And in this world, it's a constant battle. I'm not supposed to have hate. I'm not supposed to have unforgiveness in me. I'm not supposed to be foul-mouthed. I'm not supposed to live one way in church and another way on Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Or even Sunday afternoon. I'm supposed to be consistent in my walk with the Lord and in my words. Trust me. I live like a heathen. I swore more than any of you could ever swear in your lifetime. I drank and I did drugs. I lived like a heathen. Did a bunch of other bad things. I lied and I stole. I did. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. And if it wasn't for God's grace... I should burn in hell because of it, because of what I've done. But all of a sudden, when God came into my life, everything changed. Everything changed. And it was a miraculous change. It was a miraculous change. And then when I first got saved... I sought the Lord. I dug into that word. You should see some of my Bibles that I've torn apart. Literally, there's pages missing. There's whole books missing out of my first Bible that I have. 
it's all highlighted up, and about every one I get, I try to I write down the things that I think God is speaking that I think is important and pertinent to today that sustains me. You get into God's Word because it sustains you. It's a sure foundation. It's the truth. And that's when I read, when I started reading the Bible, I started seeing the truth was being opened to me and opened up to my mind and, uh, and into my thoughts and into my believing. And then when I started reading about the prophecies and about the end time events and what's going on, and then I start, the Bible says, well, this is going to happen, and then it does happen. And it's amazing because it was thousands and thousands of years ago when they said it. And to think about it, it's happening in our day and age. You know, I'm still amazed. And I said this at our Friday night at the house. I said it to all the kids that were, you know, the, the men that were sitting around in their living room. I said, you know, we've been born in such an exciting time as this, in these end times. And it really is exciting. Think about it. You are going to see Christ returning on the clouds. You could have been born a hundred years ago. Or 200 or 300. But God chose you to be born now. There's a reason over that. You have a calling in your life. To be born for such a time as this. Because God says he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were even birthed. He could have chose any time, but he chose now. And there's a reasoning over that. The focus, our focus, needs to be on God, on seeking Him, and our relationship with Him. Our focus needs to be on our relationship with God. And are we building Him? Are we building that relationship every day? Are we seeking Him every day? Are we in His Word every day? Are we praying every day? Our focus needs to be on Him. God, God's focus, God, you know, God doesn't need our money. <laughs> he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He needs our obedience. God needs our relationship. God needs you. God loves you. God sent his one and only son to die for you so that you can have a relationship with him. God wants you. I just thought of that Uncle Sam. God wants you. Some of you younger kids might not even know what that is. Well, I do. Older folks do. Older folks. Ed does. He's an older folk. We'll call it. We'll call Ed an older folk. 
Church, it's time we seek Him. It's time we seek Him with all we got. You know, enough playing around. And trust me, I'm preaching to myself. I'm not just preaching to you. Every time I read, every time I go to read a message, it's like, Lord, this is about, I need this myself. You know, forgive me. I'm not seeking you like I should be seeking you. I'm not seeking you as earnest as I can. I know what I'm capable of. I know how, how much I can get focused on something else and I can spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks and months on that. And I lose track of where, where you are. It's like I take my Bible and I put it on a shelf. You know, I, I come back to it. So trust me, I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. This is God was talking to me about this, too. But we need to seek him with all we got because we are in troubling times. We are in troubling times. We are close to the end. And we need to know that we know that we know that we're hearing from God and getting clear direction on what is happening and what we need to do. It's life or death. Simple. It's life or death. We need to seek them. And I'm not talking about a casual glance. I'm not talking about, oh, I opened a word today and I read this sentence. I'm not just talking about a casual glance of looking over at God, oh, that looks good, I'm going to go back to what I'm doing. I'm talking about getting out His Word, sitting down with His Word, spending time in His Word and studying it. The Bible said to study my Word to show yourself approved. Be ready in season and out of season with an answer at all times. It's what the Bible says. Hebrews 11.6 says that he rewards those. He rewards those who earnestly the other end of it, Joe. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Are you earnestly seeking him? You know the answer to that. Because if you're not in the Word, if you're not seeking Him, if you're not in prayer, how are you going to be able to stand up against the enemy against the spirit of the Antichrist when he comes knocking at you, I'm knocking on your door. You know, every time I want to go in and get into the Word and seek it, and my wife will attest to this, every time I sit down, I'm like, I'm going to go get in the Word. You know what happens? I get exhausted, I get tired, and I fall asleep. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. Keeping me out of God's word. And I got to rebuke it. But it happens. 
to me all the time. Every time I, I think in my thought mind, I go, you know, I need to get in God's Word. Oh, but wait a minute. i got to go out and feed the horses and take care of the horses. i got to clean the stalls. i got to take care of the food. i got to water them. And then I go, well, you know what? It's my responsibility as a man. i got to do this. Oh, and then when that's done, I come into the house. Oh, i got to take out the garbage. Later, let me help my wife pick things up a little bit. And pretty soon, you know what? The day's gone, and I'm exhausted at the end of the day, and it's done. And did I get into God's Word once that day? No. Did I want to? And my spirit said yes. And my spirit man is crying out, get into the Word, get into the Word, get into the Word. God is up there in heaven looking down saying, get into my Word, son, get into my Word, son. He's looking at you daughters. Get in, daughters. I got something in there for you that's for today. That can save your life because it is life and death. Two choices we have. Life or death. There is no middle ground. There is no lukewarmness. You know what happens to lukewarmness in the Bible in Revelations? The church of Laodicea says he's going to spew you out of his mouth. You're either be cold or hot. If you're not in the word seeking him, then you're not going to be able to stand against the enemy when he comes. Because it says in the Bible, in Matthew, it says that for many will come in my name, claiming that I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. How are you going to be able to discern if you don't know God's word? How are you going to be able to discern if you don't hear his voice and recognize it? The Bible says that the sheep hear his voice. And they follow him. How can we even know his voice if we don't even know him? How can you recognize the shepherd's voice if you don't know the shepherd? You know, it's amazing. I watched the video. I've been, I've been watching a lot of YouTube. I've been watching a lot of David Wilkerson videos on YouTube. But I watched a video there of these sheep following the shepherd. And I showed it to my wife. And they were somewhere, I don't know where they were, like they were somewhere in the mountains over, like in Mongolia or some high mountain places. And you know how they have those little bitty rope bridges that go across this crazy river that's down below and they're like way up high? You know what I'm talking about? Those like swing bridges or like suspension. They're just three ropes and a board going across. And he's like, no, forget about trying to cross that thing. You know what I mean? These shepherds have these huge things packed on their head. And they're strapped. And these massive baskets. I mean, they're bigger, twice the size of that pulpit. And they're carrying these things across on their heads. Full of all the blankets and everything they need, their tents, whatever they need to survive in the wilderness. And he walks across this suspension bridge with this huge thing on. And this huge, I'm talking, there had to be 500 to 1,000 sheep. And we're talking big, fluffy sheep. We're not talking, I mean, they're, they're huge. He walks across the bridge. Every sheep lined up one after another after another and followed them right across this raging river. It was amazing. They had to go back 
and pick up some of the baby lambs and carry them across. But like some of the older sheep, and we can take this as a lesson, adults, some of these older sheep were pushing the smaller yearlings across and teaching them that it's okay. It's okay to follow the shepherd. He's not going to harm us. It's okay. We can walk across this bridge because my shepherd walked across this bridge. And the shepherd at the head of the flock, he, he was calling them. He was, he, his voice was constantly talking so they, could, so they could hear his voice and they would follow him across. It was amazing to watch that little video and I thought about that. Those sheep knew that shepherd's voice. Just like we need to know that shepherd's voice. But all those sheep grew up. All those sheep grew up hearing that shepherd's voice. <clears throat> and those little ones were being taught by the older sheep that it's okay. He's leading us to green pastures. It's okay. That's a good shepherd. He's going to feed us. He's going to make sure we're okay. He's going to keep the wolves out. Jesus says the wolves will come in sheep's clothing. Jesus also said the Antichrist will dress himself up as an angel of light and he will deceive many. In the end days... The Antichrist is going to come up and perform all kinds of signs and wonders. And it's going to deceive many. But we need to be ready. And we will know this through discernment. And we will know what's going on by the word. That we won't be deceived. Because we know our shepherd's voice. For many will come in my name claiming, I am he, the Christ. Church, things have been progressing forward faster than we think. There's been a fast progression of these birth pains. Just like you could ask any woman giving birth, just up before the child comes out, the, the contractions get closer and closer and closer. And they get stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, we all think, and it's easy for us to think that just not too long ago we had the four blood red moons. Remember those? And I preached on them. Remember we had the sign of, sign of Revelations 12 in the sky. That, that only happened like once in 2,000 years. We just had another super blood red moon, didn't we? Ephraim would know. Didn't we? And we all think, what happened? Well, nothing really happened, did it? We're waiting for some calamity. The Lord didn't come back yet. So what happened? Well, a lot of things have happened since then, believe it or not. One, Trump. Two, he moved the embassy from... Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That's a huge prophetic end time event. Third, they're talking now about building the third temple. And you know, we are the temple. 
You are the temple of God. But they're actually talking about now rebuilding the third temple. You know, one of the last signs of Jesus' return is the actual building of the third temple. They need the third temple so the Antichrist can get up on it and proclaim that he is God. And we can bow down and he wants everybody to bow down and worship. Just like he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And you know what they just, they just found out? Recently, archaeologically... I can't just say archaeologically. Archaeologically? <laughs> the archaeologists just found out that, you know what, where the Temple Mount is might not be the place where the actual temple was built. But where the Temple Mount is, where everybody's been praying and worshiping, is actually a place where the Roman soldiers had set up their garrison. And that the temple was below that. The actual site of the temple, of Solomon's temple, of the temple of God. <clears throat> so now they can build this temple, the third temple, without having to worry about that mosque that's on the, what they call the Temple Mount now. Because there was no way they were going to be able to build that third temple with that mosque sitting up there. But now they have proof that that is not the actual site, that it's actually south of that and lower. So, church, things are moving fast. Things that have been prophesied thousands of years ago are coming to pass. And God has given us signs in the heavens to say, Wake up, O sleeper. Wake up, O watchman. Things are happening. This is why we need to seek Him. This is why we need discernment. We are closer now than ever before to Jesus' return. Closer now than ever before to Jesus' return. He could come any moment. We need to keep watch. We need to keep watch over Jerusalem. The Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We need to keep watch over what's going on in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the apple of God's eye. His name is written on Jerusalem, literally written. Hosea 10, chapter 12, says this. So for yourself, righteousness reap the fruit of unfailing love. So for yourself, righteousness reap the fruit of unfailing love. And it says, break up your unplowed ground. That's what we need to do with our hearts, church. We need to break up our hardened heart. We need to get it soft and moldable and pliable again to the shepherd's voice. We need to break up that unplowed ground, those secret places of your heart that you haven't given to God because of sin. And that's only because of the Antichrist is speaking to your mind. God is saying, break it up. It's time. Give it to me. It's time to seek the Lord with all your heart. It says, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Sow for yourself righteousness. 
Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. For it's time, church, it's time to seek the Lord. Until he comes. And he's coming. It's a promise. It's in his word. He's coming. In Luke chapter 19, verses 10, it says the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. I'm telling you that Jesus is coming again to seek and to take what is his. And that's you and me. He came to seek what was lost when he came and he died on the cross. But he's coming again to seek what is his and to take it with him. And that's you and that's me. Amen? All right, I've got a little, I got a little thing I want to close with, a little video. And we're going to, I'll stand up in prayer. We'll stand up and pray. And I'll let Joe play. I've been, I've been listening to this video every morning for now for a while. So, Joe, if you can play that, if you can get it up there and get it ready. There's other scriptures about seeking the Lord I'll give to you if you want to write them down. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. That says, seek the Lord. And you will find him knocking, the door will be open. Anyone who knocks, the door will be open to. So Numbers chapter 6. And then I also want to open this altar up to you. If you feel like you need prayer, if you need some help, if you want to rededicate your life to God, come on down. Let's pray for it. Let's pray. If you feel like you're backslidden a little bit from the Word of God in your prayer life, and you want to recommit, say, no, I'm going to start seeking Him from the day. Today's the day. Don't wait. If you don't mind, I'd like to have all of you lay hands on me and pray for me. I'll give you the anointing oil. Pops can anoint me. And pray that I would hear the word of God clearly. Let's stand up. Get some blood flowing. Lord, I just pray that you would bless us and keep us. That, Lord, you'd make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. That, Lord, you would turn your face toward us and that you'd give us peace on all sides. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us into all righteousness. That we would earnestly seek your face today, Lord God. And that we would continue and that we would hunger and thirst after you like never before, Lord God. That we would hear your voice. That our sheep, our sheep would hear your voice. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Go ahead, Joe. You can. You know, when I, I read the Old Testament, 
I'm overwhelmed at the intensity of the men of God. I wonder where they get that spiritual authority and where they get this Holy Ghost stamina to do what they did for a prophet to lay for 365 days on his side warning Jerusalem of coming judgment. 365 days laying on his side. I, I read of these men that fast 40 days and 40 nights. I can't fast three. I, I, I read of men that are so burdened with the burden of God and so incensed against the sin against God's nature that they can pull clumps out of their beard and clumps out of their hair. I, I'm amazed at, at, at men who can weep and cry and mourn for two and three weeks at a time on their face. No food, no water, and mourn and grieve for the heart of God. And I read those stories and I say, God, those are men of another sort. I, I don't know what that's like. And, and, and then the thing that troubles me is that God says that these things have been put in the Word as examples for us on whom the ends of the world have come. That, that these, these men were men of like passion. There, was, there, was, there were patterns, there was something in them that God did that laid, what caused God to lay His hands on them. Our present generation is probably, the, and, and without a doubt, the most wicked of all times, many more times wicked than, than Sodom, Gomorrah, and Nineveh. If there was ever a time that people, or nations, and churches, and the society needed men of such intensity, it's now. Why would God arbitrarily raise up men, men of another sort who had this passion, who were able to do incredible exploits in understanding the heart of God and showing the heart of God to nations and brought them to repentance through their actions. And I, I say to myself, God, would you arbitrarily, all, all the way from church history, all the way back to Abraham, go all the way back and God would raise up prophets and God would raise up men and raise up women with such an anointing that they would bring the whole society to their knees and back to God. And why would God suddenly at these last days, when we need Him more than any other generation, not raise up men and women as such? I think it obligates us now, I'm not speaking just about preachers, but every every member of every congregation, everyone who calls himself by the name of Jesus Christ, to search the Word of God out and find the patterns, how these men became men of another sort. How, why did God touch them? Why did God anoint them? Why did God use them? Why did their words not fall to the ground? And why were they so marvelously changed by the power of the hand of God? There are no hidden secrets about being touched by God. There are no hidden secrets. You can study the Word of God and find the patterns, find the way in which men were touched by the hand of God and follow that path. I'm not that kind of man, but I, I, I want to be a man of another sort. A, a man touched by the hand of God. Where even the enemies of the Lord know that there's a spiritual authority and know that there's been something that comes from the throne of God's heart. We're considering Ezra first of all. The Bible said a man who awakened his entire nation. It is said of him he was a man with the hand of God on him.
Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, to practice it. He set his heart. This was a conscious decision. One day he said, I am going to be a man of the word. I'm going to go to the word and I'm going to tremble by it. And I'm going to act on everything I read. And God saw a man who was saturated with his word, who hungered and loved and appreciated the word. This one man prepared his heart and said, I am going to be a man of the word. There's not a person hearing me that cannot do that by a conscious decision. You don't need some Holy Ghost revival. You don't need somebody sitting down putting you under conviction. You take this word in your hand and say, God, as sure as I have the authority to sit and watch television for three hours, I've got the ability, I can make a decision, I can study God's word. God supernaturally lays his hand on only those who hunger and thirst after his word and do it. God touches those who love his word and who fast and pray according to that word. Did you see the pattern? Into the word, back to fasting and prayer. Getting the burden of the Lord in his mind. There's nothing complicated about it. Setting the heart. Engaging the heart. Preparing the heart. To seek the Lord.